you are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. The third installment of Suns Player Grades on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns in the NBA at Dime Magazine and SB Nation. You can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You can also, most importantly, follow our show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns. But because it is a Monday, I am joined today, as I am every week, by Brandon. You know him as Zona on Twitter. He is at AZ Sports Zone. Brandon, have you recovered from Devin Booker's Magic Johnson impression from last night? Uh, slightly. Still have some symptoms from it. Uh, you know, just just recovering slowly. I mean, those those passes are ridiculous, and to get a smile out of Devin Booker takes a lot. So seeing that was was awesome, and it just looks like they're having fun. So good to be back on a high note here on. Uh, Zona Monday. <laughs> yeah, we got a 134-106 beatdown of the Wizards, which was good because you and I last time we were on the show predicted that the Wizards would uh, potentially be the pitfall for this stretch of games for the Suns. That did not come to fruition. They, they resoundingly beat Washington as they should, but because that game was a little bit of a wash and also because um, it's basically the quarter point in the season once again the the three quarter point to be more specific here we're going to do our player grades that's what we do every quarter or so of the way through the year we've had two previous ones obviously and now we will be doing our third really the last one before the end of the season so should have a lot of good stuff to dig into we're going to hit every single sun's starter in depth we're also going to hit on some of the bench pieces and then because we're a little bit Uh, of the way through the year now have a little bit more of a track record to base this on we're also going to include Monty Williams and James Jones what kind of job have they done um, this year putting this all together and and getting it uh, to the number two in the west point that the team is at now which sounds pretty crazy to say but let's start with Chris Paul Brandon because actually no let's start with Devin Booker I I feel like I want to get the best guy out of the way first so let's let's do that just as a, a point of reference for everybody listening as well, the last episode we did this on was March 8th, right during the All-Star break. The Suns have played 17 games since then, and they've gone 13-4. and four. And again, this is basically, if you were to look up the stats yourself or you're just keeping track at home, the entire post-All-Star break segment of the season. So uh, that's pretty easy to sort on a lot of the stats sites. It's easy to see on the schedule. That's the games we're talking about now. Again, 17 of them. So to give you Devin Booker's stats during this stretch Brandon 28.1 points per game 4.7 assists five rebounds per game on 49 35 89 shooting and he did that all on a 33 percent usage rate so uh, a heavier burden more of the offense going toward book as the weeks go by this season for the Suns we can get into some of the more advanced stuff in a second but what has stuck out to you about this stretch for Devin Booker yeah, so like you said, just the, the bump in scoring, it's up almost you know, close to like four points per game from uh, pre-All-Star break. And, you know, his true shooting has actually been the exact same, which is kind of weird, uh, 
So, uh, but just doing it like in a higher usage role, I think his usage is up a little bit too. So um, just really shouldering the load and doing what I think you need to do next to like an older point guard like Chris Paul. Um, you know, Paul will take over when he needs to, but he came to Phoenix for Booker and uh, he's been showing lately that it's certainly his team and he's willing to, to take over when he needs to. Yeah, to me, like, what I'm looking for right now with Booker it, every night and then just thinking about his season big picture and sort of what he does over the last few weeks here is almost like an, it's, it's not unsimilar from how I'm thinking about the team, which is like a, a, a preview, a, a, an audition of sorts for the playoffs. Like, are they doing some of the things we know that they're going to need to do come the postseason? And on the part of Booker, like, there's a few things I look, look at that, make me really optimistic in one, you know, what you just said is a big part of that, like taking more of the offense. I think come playoff time, it's pretty obvious to me at least that for the most part, he's going to be the guy who's relied upon to do a lot of the heavy lifting offensively. Um, You know, he's going to need to probably score even more than 28.1 points per game uh, in the postseason and not wanting to rely on Chris Paul too much for that or some of the other guys on this team. So that's all good. On the on the negative side, I guess you could say, is these clutch issues. Like, they're, they're really real um, in terms of just the shot making we've come to expect from him not being at the same level. And I feel like we're far enough into the year now where I can pretty safely say that that's something that at least I have my eye on. During this stretch of, uh, of, of game 17 of them, of course, 5 of 25 from the field in clutch minutes, four assists to two, to two turnovers, which is fine. And then... Um, 41.4 true shooting percentage in the clutch over the past 17 games in 39 clutch minutes. So the Suns have played. It's basically them, the Knicks, and the Grizzlies are the three teams who have played the most clutch, and, and the Suns um, have honestly some of the worst numbers individually as players. Now they're winning, which is part of what makes it harder to evaluate, but how are you thinking about that late-game stuff? That And it you know kind of came back a little bit in that Utah game, nearly to bite them. Obviously, they pulled that one out, but they, they made it a little too close for comfort. What have you thought about his, his late-game stuff so far? Yeah, so there's two ways to look at it. There's one way where it's like you could look at the negatives and say, you know, there, it's been enough of a sample size to where it should be a little bit worrisome. But at the same time, that's 39 minutes. So it's still a small sample size in the grand scheme of things. Um, the other way to look at it is they're still pulling out a lot of really close games with him struggling a little bit in the clutch. So... I think that's a positive um, because come playoff time, it's not like you don't want to just be reliant on one guy and, and uh, you know, for this team to win games with him struggling in the clutch is going to, it's going to make them better. I think in the long run, because you know, those numbers they are going to just based off his track record throughout his career. He loves taking big shots. He loves late game uh, ISOs, you know, taking over. So I think those, those numbers are going to get bumped up a little bit, but uh, definitely not something you, you like to see as far as like those numbers uh, are concerned. But I think um, for the team itself, it's, it's really not, it's nothing like that you should be dramatically worried over or anything like that. Yeah. And then on the plus side to me, it's like he seeing the turnovers be low is good. Mm-hmm. And just watching what the shots are. Like you think the end of regulation attempt against Utah, he got a clean look off. He got a couple clean looks in that overtime period. Yeah, that, and that's, that, that was the same in. spot he hit the, the game winner against Dallas. So, I mean, you know, exactly. you, you can live with that. 
Yeah, you can live with it. He's not, like, the point is he's not making mistakes as far as I can see it. Shots just aren't going in. And like you said, we've seen it happen so often in the past that, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you just hope, you cross your fingers that the that you regress in the right direction, right? Like, at the end of the day, it is a, a game of very small margins. Luck is going to be involved in a lot of it. Like, ask Kawhi Leonard and the 76ers in that bounce, 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 bounce shot, right? Like, those those do tend to decide playoff series, and you just want to be on the right side of them. So uh, I don't see any necessarily problem here. I just think it's something worth watching. So my grade, all of that said, shooting a little bit down, three-point shooting a little bit down, some of those um, clutch issues. And then also just to me, too, uh, the lingering questions around him and the referees is something when I think to the playoffs and him kind of being so frustrated by that and rightly so but also you know maybe needing to get get past it a little bit as we close the season out and not let it hang him up so much that's smaller but still part of my my thought here so I'm actually giving him a B that might be low but I'm holding him to an incredibly high standard because I think this team really has a conference finals or finals run in them if they're at the level they need to be and he needs to be a little better for them to get there. Wow, we got a strict uh, professor in the house. But yeah, no, I get That's it. I your, your concerns, like, they make sense, like, logically. And, um, but I, I do think, you know, just looking at the entire body of work, like, it's enough for me to, to hand out the A. Um, you know, scoring 28 points per game on a close to it, just under a, a 60 true shooting, you know, carrying the load for one of the best teams in the league. You know, I got, I got to give it to him. So you have an A, I have a B? Yeah. All right. All right. That's fair. No, I don't think you're wrong necessarily. Um, I, I, It's not even strict. It's more so like we know what he can be, and I, I think he's just been a little less than what he could be on offense especially. So um, I, I think I think I'll, I'll give him some credit. I'll give him some leeway heading into the next one. But I'm thinking a lot about what this team's going to look like in the playoffs, and I, I want – like. He, he could be clicking at like a 30-plus point per game on 60-plus true shooting level, and we all know he can do that, right? So yeah, that's kind of where I come down on it. It's like we all know there's more, so if he's not doing it, then, you know, he's, he's, he's earned that standard. Yeah, no, that's fair. And to kind of segue a little bit into Chris Paul, he could take like a lesson from his reaction to Patrick Beverly's cheap shot. You know, if that happened to Booker, we might be looking at a suspension. What all Paul does is turns, looks at Patrick, goes, makes a little circle motion, you know, check the monitor to the ref and just walks away because he knew he was going to get thrown out most likely. So that's just the type of composure I think he kind of needs throughout the game because, you know, I love the trash talk, like the trash talk and just the dog and Booker, but there are times where he needs to like tone it down a little bit. And I think playing with Chris Paul is already kind of helped that but at the same time they're in more intense games more frequently so I think you're just seeing that come uh, more often than you know if he was younger in these same situations who knows what would be happening exactly and look pe- the the petty god as I've started calling him on Twitter in addition to being the point god he also has shown us the past couple of weeks that like you can get back at guys without uh, losing your temper right like you can yeah. you can flop on them the next time down you can get he him plays, thrown he out plays like the that. long like, game for sure He plays the long game. So let's get into Chris Paul in the next segment. But first, let's take a quick break. Tell you guys about the first sponsor of today's show, which is Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality 
short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete videos, interviews, all through your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like the dashboard as well as Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, as well as the Indeed Skills Test that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. All of that means that you can make your hiring faster and easier. That's the bottom line, guys. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own, as well as the must-have requirements. So again, you only pay for the applications that meet those requirements and give you the best candidates. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined. So if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. I continue to just be really honestly amazed by the incredible flavors that these guys put out. I'm currently working through a churro box. I don't know if you guys have explored lately, but the Built Bar Puff brand. So they started with the the original, like, you know, peanut butter. We've talked to you about them forever. Orange, peanut butter brownie, coconut, the classics, right? But they're, they're, they have this new line, the Puffs, and they're more, they're softer. They're like marshmallowy on the inside, but they're, again, all covered in 100% chocolate, all soft and easy to chew, and still that classic low-sugar, high-protein bar, that you need to not bog yourself down, but to get you through the day. Pick you up after a workout, get you ready before a workout. Whatever it is, Built Bar is there. They're delicious, and they are healthy. So head over to BuiltBar.com right now where they are offering a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go into BuiltBar.com, and when you make your purchase, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Back here with more player grades. We'll get to Chris Paul in just a second. A reminder first to check out Locked On Today. Peter Bukowski does a great job. He's been full on NBA stuff lately. A lot of good Lakers talk on Friday last week that Suns fans will like in terms of negativity. Maybe Anthony Davis's injury being a little worse than we might have thought considering the Andre Drummond drama. Uh, so check that show out wherever you get podcasts. They're, uh, they're a must-have during this NBA stretch run. All right, Brandon. So we were talking about Chris Paul before the break there, and I think uh, your point about some lessons to be learned by Booker from Paul is is right and you know it's going to be really fascinating to me to see how that dynamic plays out come playoff time because I just got done saying that Booker needs to score the ball at a higher level I think that's going to be what happens like you look at that Thunder team last year I think their undoing was that Shea and and Gallinari both did not play well in the playoffs they did not score at the level that they needed to and so it ended up being kind of you know Chris Paul collective team IQ and then like Lou Dort's defense right and just wasn't enough and so um, to me Chris Paul needs to play a pretty prominent role setting the table for everybody but how much does he going to need to score to keep the Suns in games I think you want to keep that as little as possible what he's done through this post all-star break stretch is 16.5 points per game 8.4 assists and 4.7 rebounds the only shooting number to really highlight here he's been his usual efficient self but only 29 percent from three during this stretch. So what have you made of, of Chris Paul's impact during this post all-star break set of games? Yeah. So he's, 
like a lot of it's like goes beyond the numbers with him, like which you know we both know. But the three point shooting dropping by like nearly eleven percent and his field goal percent like going up by two shows you everything you need to know. I mean, he just doesn't miss a mid range shot. And if you could find tape of him doing that, send it my way. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. He's he's just been his normal self. I think just letting the game come to him. He doesn't feel like he has to take over, um, but like all the time. But when he does, uh, he's he just gets very locked in. And uh, you know when he's playing like how he is now, he's just kind of pacing himself for the, like the playoffs and making sure he gets everyone else involved and and also scoring when they need him to. So just that typical savvy Chris Paul um, play all throughout uh, March as well, even though in March he shot 27% from three in those 14 games. Um, but then now here in April, he's heating up a little bit up to 39. So I think that'll just kind of level out. And, you know, like you're talking about with the OKC team, that team seemed like they're a better team for the regular season anyways, just the way they're built. Um, where, whereas the Suns, they're a lot, they're definitely built for the playoffs as we've talked about with their, their versatility and just having another guy that could that can hit tough shots and you know Booker just being a little bit bigger than Shea I think will help a lot too we've talked about that and uh so yeah I think Paul's gonna know like you know when he has to take over and when he when he needs to concede yeah this is a really interesting point so 15 per 56 percent is his uh efficiency on mid-range shots over this uh this stretch of games so to your point yeah just been a killer from there that's that's like, you know, verging on like a, a LaMarcus Aldridge type of post player mid-range efficiency. Like to get to close to 60% as a guard, not only a guard, but an undersized guard is pretty ridiculous. Um, and he's only taken nine at the rim shots since the All-Star break. So um, pretty, pretty ridiculous kind of shot diet from him. I think it's something we can expect to continue going forward. And the fact that he's making those mid-range shots, it's like, I, it makes me worry far less about the three pointers. Like his legs are fine. He's he's good. It's just, you know, if you take any seventeen game sample from a season, you might find a twenty nine percent stretch in there. Uh, clutch wise, though, so he is eight of twenty one during these set of games, and similar to Booker, four assists to, tur- to two turnovers. You know, less assists, a lot of iso ball late in games, right? Um, but his true shooting is fifty six point two. So. Not to get too far down the rabbit hole, a lot of MVP talk about Chris Paul this week and last week, and a lot of talk about um, that. A lot more people thought he should have taken that shot against the Jazz over Booker and that he should be more prominently involved in some of those late-game situations. How do you feel about that? And then I'll let you start us off with the grade this time. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with either of them shooting in in that situation, but I think Booker has kind of earned that the right on this team just with how like his just his track record when it comes down to hitting tough shots um to win games or tie games send games overtime so um i'm perfectly fine with either of them i'm not going to complain as long as it's not a fadeaway three in the corner or something like that um after a timeout uh but yeah i i don't know i think paul has been in the clutch he's sort of it seems like he's deferring a little bit more to booker than he did earlier in the year which I think is probably a good thing uh, just moving forward. But uh, there are times where, you know, it would be nice to see him be a little bit more assertive and, and take, you know, take those tough shots at uh, late in games. What's your grade? Uh, I'm going to go with a, a B plus. Um, I was probably going to give him a B, but, you know, the high five, the high five to Donovan Mitchell after the missed free throw bumped him up a notch. 
for me personally. <laughs> that was great. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll give him a solid B plus. I, I think right now what you're just seeing is just Chris Paul kind of coasting, just getting ready for the playoffs like that version, which, you know, that's still a competitive player that wants to win every game, but he knows his team's in a good position. All right. I got an A for Chris Paul. Um, I feel like he's doing just about everything you would want from him, setting the table for other guys, earning that MVP love, and the efficiency has been really great for him. So I do put the clutch issue. I don't want to make it that, that just Devin Booker is to blame for the clutch problems. But again, I feel like even calling them problems is a little bit overblown because they're winning games, right? So yes, they've played a lot of clutch. Yes, their shooting numbers don't look great, but they're making the plays they need to to win. And I think actually Paul is a big part of that. So I, I give him some some credit for winning those so not an a plus but an a i did actually think about the a plus because i think he's been that sturdy for them so that's where i will land uh let's do deandre Ayton because i feel like we'll have a little a lot more to talk about with him and then we'll kind of speed through the rest of these guys so to give everybody deandre Ayton's numbers over the past 17 games he is at 15.8 points 9.5 rebounds and one assist every night on 66 0 80 percent shooting he's not made a three during this stretch he's, he's only attempted a couple but uh, some ugly misses for for what it's worth there um, so that's the numbers on the whole but since that Rockets game last Monday which is about three uh, four games and then you know we'll have another four games this week because their schedule is just ridiculous but um, including another one against Houston he has been pretty dominant and aggressive and assertive and consistent since he killed Christian Wood last Monday so how have you felt about DA over the past uh, few weeks, Brandon? It's been very encouraging just to see the uh, consistency, I would say, as far as being locked in. Like, it's still not perfect. It's it's never going to be with, you know, a 22-year-old kid uh, in, in the middle of a, a playoff race. But, you know, he's. I think this is probably the most engaged I think he's looked just as far as, like, on a game-to-game basis. Um, so it's definitely encouraging and just, you know, ridiculous efficiency like 68 true shooting percent in these 17 games. Um, you know, I think we kind of take that for granted in a way. Just, you know, a, a lot of his shots are close to the rim, but there are some tough, like, shots he makes with his uh, elite touch, which, you know, it just – that's what makes the whole catching the ball problem, like, strange to me. He has really good touch, and there are times where, like, he just can't catch a bounce pass. So, like, I'm just trying to figure that out as far as how that works out. But, you know, if they – uh, and there's also the whole, you know, Suns fans say they need to, to feed him the ball more debate. And while I, I agree in some cases there's there's stretches where they ignore him a little bit too often, that's also kind of the issue with him where he's not going to create for himself. And that's why bigs are, you know, unless you can do that, your value is limited offensively a little bit. But it's good to see the uptick um, in points per game in this stretch and just the improvement in efficiency as well. So. Um, don't really have as many complaints as I did early in the year on this side of the floor. And then defensively, like I said, just he looks more engaged and focused, which they're, they're going to need that to win a championship. For sure. What do you th- let me have you guess here. What do you think his at the rim field goal percentage has been during this stretch of games? Uh, low 70s. 80. Wow. 80 percent at the rim um, and 50% from mid range. So he's, I mean, when you shoot 66% from the field, you're going to have to make more often than not any shot you take. Right. So um, yeah, but filthy efficiency, just, just really, really good there. And then um, yeah, just the consistency, like 
taking advantage when he does have a good post-op opportunity, finding the, the, the timing and, you know, uh, like you ha- the thing with Aiton that, it, like you said about creating for himself, if he's going to get the ball in the post ever, he's going to have to make the decision quickly because the other thing about this team is that I've never understood the feed him the ball. The Suns don't feed anybody the ball, right? So exactly. it's like that's the silly part to me whenever somebody says that is I'm like, well, would you say they feed Devin Booker the ball? No, Booker has to like run off a screen as quickly as he can change direction and then take a shot within you know half a second like that is by no means feeding anybody it's not kobe offense right now you know what i mean so uh that's that's always been silly to me he's gonna have to make the the decision quickly he's gonna have to be aggressive and he's gonna have to find his spots and i think he's just been doing a better job at that during this stretch i think even just seeing that christian wood was a matchup he could take advantage of when that's actually a guy most people think is a pretty good player i mean he is but defensively not so much and so da doing it against him was pretty interesting to me as well um so good stuff sun's defense still two points worse per 100 possessions on the season with him on the floor part of that to me is dario's just a net rating darling um like the numbers just love dario anytime he's been on the floor even now when he's struggling the suns look really awesome statistically so um, not too much to worry about there i think yeah it's just a matter of that consistency translating to defense which it has been as well so i'm gonna go with a b plus i think all those things we just talked about have put him much higher than I think he has been for me in the past, but, um, you know, kind of doing it all. Another guy where, for better or worse, like the expectations are pretty high for him to be a, a consistent part of a championship-level team. So I, I, don't, I can't break him into that A range, but I'll give him a B plus. Yeah, that's, I think I had him at a B minus last time we did this, um, and I'm going to bump that up to a B plus as well. Um, I think just the importance of him playing this way is has really stood out because they like they cannot win a championship unless he's locked in defensively like I know he's, he's not their best player but he's their most important like he can swing a series um depending on the version they get of him so uh you know there's there's moments where you know you're not sure if you can trust him down the stretch and there's other moments where he just completely dominates and we've been seeing more of the less of like polarizing I would say where it's like he's, he's going to give you like three really dominant minutes. He's just doing a better job of like spacing that over the course of the game, I think. And that's, that's basically been the biggest difference for me is like, it's not as streaky as it, as it has been in the past. So got to give him some love, give him a B plus here. I love it. Okay. We'll go through the rest of the starting lineup, a couple bench guys, and then Monty and James Jones in the last segment. We'll take one quick break first, though, to tell you about the final sponsor of today's show, which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. I know if you were watching the Masters this week, you probably had BetOnline open right next to you in the tab because that's uh, it's what it's the fun of golf. It's the fun of a, a sport where stroke by stroke by stroke, you're keeping up with the leaders, you're keeping up with who's where on the course, what the live odds are, all of that stuff. Uh, I know personally that's uh, part of the joy of that. So we got golf, we got soccer, pretty much every sport except for football is in full swing right now. Uh, And BetOnline has you covered for all of it with real-time updated props and odds on anything that you can imagine. It's the best way to place a bet, and best of all, it's free to sign up. So head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, on betonline.ag or on their mobile app. Make an account, make your first deposit, and receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Closing out the show with our Suns quarterly player grades here. Um, we got to get through these guys pretty quickly, but I do want to start with Mikhail Bridges, Brandon, because um, I feel like there's almost not enough time to say every, every time that I do a show like this, giving grades or like recap a game, I always feel like I'm underrating the impact that Mikhail has. In a lot of ways, I feel like he's having the season that we were waiting for him to have, and he's been more aggressive offensively. He is uh, continuing the level of, of, of individual defensive impact, like man-to-man defense, but he's also, in my opinion, become an even better team defender this year. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff happening. I'll give you the numbers really quick, and then I'll give you the floor. 12.5 points per game, 3.8 rebounds per game, and 2.3 assists on 54-39-77 shooting. And, uh, I mean, this guy just has to be one of the best role players in the NBA at this point. Is it, is that crazy? I feel like it's pretty obvious to me. Yeah. I think everyone's kind of caught on to nationally, um, where we, he's always been like this, but now it's like for a team that's ready for him to, uh, thrive in that role. So, you know, especially when you look at his true shooting, like, I mean, it, it went down by like 3% and he's still at like 62.5 post all-star break. So that tells you everything you need to know about how efficient he is. Um, just obviously, uh, like Suns fans already know everything I'm about to say. Just super smart, plays within the offense. Um, just the perfect complementary piece to, to what they're doing. So, um, really just happy to see him get some more love on the national scale. And you talked about fun. Like, who has more fun playing basketball than that guy? Very few. He's. You can tell <laughs> Very few. some players like like the game. Mikel Bridges loves it, and it shows on the court. And he he's not a high-maintenance player at all. So I, I just think I can't say enough about how important he is to the team and uh, just, you know, his, his level of um, just caring is infectious and it's kind of spread throughout the whole team. Okay, so I gave him a, an A-, minus, and that brings me to the last point I have on him. The reason it's a minus and not just an A or an A+, plus is – like the Jazz game showed us, he still has trouble every so often with fouls. And like we were saying with Booker and Aiton and some of the other guys, the standard we have to hold this team to is one that can really make a deep run in the playoffs. And that's something that can bite you, right? So, like, he he knows it, but he's also running out of time to get it under control. Maybe the fact of, of life this year is just that there are going to be games where he is in foul trouble. And because of how long he is, how aggressively he plays, the, the officials are just going to call him that way until you know, he develops more of a, of a track record in the league and, and they get off his back with it. But for right now, that's an issue to me that, that put him at an A minus, but what's your grade? Yeah, I'll give him just a, a straight A, like nothing, no pluses or minuses, but yeah, I, I agree with the foul trouble. And a lot of it, it's just like you said, reputation, like Drew Holiday or Kawhi Leonard get away with like holding people like half the time and Mikel barely touches a guy and they, they'll whistle him for that. So some of it's just, you know, building that reputation um, of being that pest and getting away with stuff. He's still kind of figuring that out, but I, I think it'll be cleaned up um, later in his career. But for right now, it's definitely something that could impact the playoffs. Okay, on to Jay Crowder. I don't need to give the stats, but he is shooting 41-40-74. The split's there. He's in the upper half of the league in three-point shooting efficiency per cleaning the glass. Um, so that's all good. The three and D is there. I mean, the, the three point shooting has been better than I expected, far less streaky, far less, um, just game to game uncertainty 
with his shooting, which is good. Um, however, maybe it's recency bias, but I do think you have to measure Jay Crowder on the big games because that's why you got him. You didn't get Jay Crowder to pad your regular season abilities, right? That's not really what he's for. So to disappear like he did and in some cases really hurt the team uh, against Utah and the Clippers this week. You know, we are talking about 17 games, but I feel like with Crowder specifically, I weigh those more heavily. And he he was a big reason that they lost that Clippers game, in my opinion. The fact that he only took two shots kind of just disappeared there. Um, you can't have that happening. His spacing, his his confidence, his comfort as a shooter is vital to this team. And so to not have that was uh, was disappointing. And so I, I won't say my grade yet, but that's kind of where I am with him. Yeah, it's... I don't know. Jay Crowder's just kind of been exactly who I thought he'd be throughout the season. The only thing that's really caught me by surprise is like the occasional passes that come out of nowhere. And I'm just like, what? And other than that, I mean, I don't really have like, no, I don't think anything's going to change from my grades. I probably had the same grade for him throughout the year. Um, and I'll just continue sticking with it. So, uh, he, he's just been exactly what I expected when they signed him. Um, I'm glad he's a starter again. We kind of, went over that whole thing earlier in the year with the, you know, the Frank thing. And as soon as I, I spoke it into existence, you know, Monty definitely listens to the podcast. So that was great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad he's back in the starting lineup and he, he's just Jay Crowder. No, you're right though. And that, that is a big point. Cause I think that happened during the stretch of games, right? So that's key to describing this, this stretch for him. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. They have a lot of games coming up throughout the rest of April against great other opponents. So It'll give us more of a track record to judge Crowder on in terms of these bigger games and elite opponents and all that. But I gave him a B, just pretty straight up, like better than average, but nothing special, nothing terrible, just kind of like you said, right in that pocket. Yep, same. I think I've given him a B for all three shows, um, <laughs> and I don't see that yeah. changing. Um, you know, hopefully it's a B plus next time, but we'll see. We shall see. Okay, so I... We'll go ahead and move on to Dario Saric, who I gave a D to. I just feel like he has been very, very disappointing. I don't know what it is. I've talked about it on a lot of the game recap shows. There's been matchups I expected him to play well against, and there's been some I didn't. It seems like his confidence is a little bit hurt right now. That Clippers game had a a few stretches that showed that, where he traveled, missed a bunny, missed a three. Like He's not playing like the guy we expected, so if there's anyone to really knock this time around. I feel like it's Dario, and, and that's who I'll, I'll, I'll give the low grade to. Yeah, um, he's definitely lost a step, it feels like, in these 17 games. And uh, with him, too, I, I found an interesting stat. His, there's a 14%, almost 15% uh, dip in his true shooting on home and road splits. So at home, he's, he's at 64%. On the road, he's, he's under 50. So, um, you know, that's... 19 versus 15 games so it's not a huge I, I mean it's a significant sample size but it's nothing like crazy um because he's obviously missed some time but that's something to look into so if at home dario is a much better player and on the road it seems like he, he's struggled and i'm gonna have to go look at those specific games to see if there's any reason or anything like that but uh just thought that was interesting yeah that is interesting uh you it is i mean He's definitely a player, I think, even dating back to his other stops in the past where you can tell his confidence is a big part of how he's effective. And I think that's why it's one of the good things about Monty Williams is that he seems to have a good rapport with Dario, but um, certainly not working right now. Campaign to me, uh, I'm going to go with a C. 
pretty average. I'm tempted to go even worse than that, but I don't want to be too hard on him. If you're thinking about the playoffs, his kind of slow stretch right now is probably one of the worst things going for the Suns that it's going to be hard to really trust that backup point guard spot come the postseason with how Payne is playing right now. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's kind of weird. Like with him and Dario, I'm sort of, in a way, I'm glad they're not like peaking right now just because you want them to peak at the right time, but they're going to have to get it together pretty quick um, because, you know, if they get even just one of them playing like how we know they can from a confidence standpoint, then heading into the playoffs, I'm going to feel a lot better. But if they're both still struggling like this um, these next couple months, then that's definitely something to monitor because, you know, in the playoffs, you need quality from your bench. There's no exception, and you don't have a lot of time to do that. So confidence will be huge, uh, especially for those two guys. And, uh, yeah, as long as they can get them peaking at the right time, I'm not overly concerned, but definitely something to monitor moving forward. And I'll just give them a C as well. All right, Monty Williams. I obviously anyone who listens to this show, I think it's it's pretty clear that I'm a big fan of Monty Williams. I think he's done a hell of a job with this team. I think he got. I I'm almost like frustrated with the NBA media for giving me a, the wrong impression of Monty coming out of New Orleans. Either that, or he really has improved that much as a coach. I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I think sticking with Payne despite everything and just finding that, like, the guy who's going to be your backup point guard, I think, uh, went outside of Monty's comfort zone. I think last year showed that he really has a hard time trusting a guy with that. You know, that's a very coachism to, to have so much of a qualm over your backup point guard. I think he, it's a testament to him there. I think some of the sets he's designed to get Booker open this year with another ball handler in there, um, another, you know, more aggressive scoring ball handler than Rubio has been really smart and impressive getting the most out of guys like Aiton and Sharich and even Crowder who are have been up and down in other situations that's all good to me um I don't really get so much of the fans problems with him I'm just going to be completely honest I try to see it and I feel like a lot of the time it's that the Suns lose a winnable game and they just want somebody to blame not to say that Monty's a perfect coach but outside of like maybe that one Dario inbounds play where they, they inbounded it to Sharich and then they just turned it over. I can't even remember what uh, who that was against. That was a, definitely a disappointing one, but I don't know. I, I think he's his track record this year is pretty stellar, and I think he is a, a, on the short list for Coach of the Year without a doubt. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, a lot of it just goes back to culture with him and James, you know, bringing all these pieces in and getting everyone to buy in. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, it's one thing for, you know, Jones to negotiate with an agent and say, this is your role. Um, you might not play like, et cetera, et cetera. But for Monty to go out and execute it on the day to day basis and get these guys all bought in, I think that's really impressive. Um, especially for, you know, a team that's you're winning as much as Phoenix is, you know, just keeping everyone on the same page, uh, has been huge and just being a leader of men. And like you said, the the whole narrative with him just not being great at X's and O's or not adapting to the game. It's like, okay, like look when he last coached, like I don't know how he's supposed to prove he's adapted unless he gets a chance. And he's done that in Phoenix. I, I definitely had some concerns too, because I probably read into that um, a little bit too much, but I think he's answered all those questions and more and he should be a front runner for uh, coach of the year. 
for sure. I have him at an A. Um, I mean, he was just coach of the month. I, it's hard to, it's really hard to pick a nit. Like, have there been mistakes in terms of, especially late game execution, like this whole team has dealt with? Yeah, but at the same time that the sun, the team is young. I mean, Monty is relatively speaking had only two years with this team, right? So it's realistic that he would be developing some chemistry and communication with his players and his staff late in games as well. So he's part of that, I suppose. Like I said, that inbounds play to Dario. It was a home game. I was literally there. I can't. Um, do you remember what game I'm talking about? Where he had, where they threw the ball to Dario and just completely, he just got hacked and then they went to the foul line and couldn't get the the game winning shot to go up. I remember the game. I can't remember the team. Um, I think it was the Orlando game, maybe. Yeah, it sounds. But anyway, there's there's like some late game stuff. Like they didn't call the timeout against uh, the the Nuggets in that one game, and they didn't foul the Nuggets in that same game. But like, come on, that's that's very (laughs) compared to the coaches the Suns have had come through here before. It's it's very paltry. So yeah, A for me. What do you got? Yeah, I'm gonna go A plus. Uh, I, I just think. Like obviously those like nitpicks you have with him, which you know they're they're valid, but at the same time, uh, you know, like you said, Suns fans are just like spoiled at this point, and any loss, there's those instant like knee jerk reactions where it's like we have to blame someone, um, and I, I'm not there. I'm I'm think uh, him and jo- uh, James Jones have just done so incredible, and just got to give him some love, and you know he's the perfect coach for this team right now. Okay, so James Jones allows us to talk about Tory Craig, who's um, quickly winning my heart over. I've been on the play a more bandwagon the past week or so. We've talked about him on our locker rooms here and there. I, th- I know we've talked about him on the show as well. I actually feel like he probably should be playing more than he is come playoff time. I think he's the key to them downsizing and playing versatility. So that all is just to say that the one move in season that we can use to judge Jones here has been pretty good, all things considered, and they all all they gave up was some of uh, Mr. Sarver's money, which is perfectly uh, great value. And then, obviously, I mean, come on, the the rest of the roster we've we've completely praised all up and down this whole season, and very much based on the grades we just gave those acquisitions. I almost feel like that speaks for itself. But I guess like the real thing is. How are you thinking about the Chris Paul trade in retrospect? Because we haven't really talked about it a ton, but just as we get closer to the draft and we were talking about the pick at the deadline that the Suns owe the Thunder and like Ty Jerome is getting some run. I, I like, I'm just thinking about it a little more. Kelly Oubre doing his thing. Rubio has had an awful season. So how are you thinking about that deal? I feel like the Suns at least six months out or whatever it is seem to have won it. Yeah, I don't know. That contract might be tough to move, you know. Um, yeah pretty, exactly pretty large contract but no i mean two years in a row chris paul <laughs> unmovable yep happy or it's good with me you know i i was happy with the trade at the time though and i think he's probably exceeded my expectations like slightly uh you know i thought there'd be like a, a slight dip in his production across the board but he's just hasn't missed a beat and uh yeah i can't say enough about just everything he does from top to bottom that just doesn't show up in the box score, just leading this team with Monty. So, uh, yeah, I think Jones, that, that probably also doesn't happen without what, like Jones slowly taking this team back to respectability um, throughout last year and, you know, the bubble. So uh, it was just a perfect storm. And, uh, you know, getting back to Torrey Craig, though, I can't talk about the Bucks without giving them an F for 
you know, <laughs> just letting him go like that. And at this point, he might be better than P.J. Tucker. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Um, no, they needed to play Bryn Forbes. So, yeah, it was important that they got him in there. Yeah, I just F's all around to them for that. And D.J. Augustine, too, I, I thought was better than uh, they picked up Jeff Teague, I believe. Not sure, yeah. not sure how he's been playing for them, but I also think Augustine's better than Teague. So I, I'm not really sure what's going on over there, but thanks for Tori. Exactly. Thank you for Tori, Craig. Um, okay, so I have an A-plus for James Jones. It sounds like you might be in the same spot. Yeah, A-plus for both him and Monty. Um, just, I mean, just looking at the standings, it's just self-explanatory. I mean, these are the guys that built the culture here, and they didn't take over a very easy job. And, yeah, it's just really good time to be a Suns fan and, uh, you know, we owe a thank you to these two guys for sure. All right, there it is. Suns player grades and executive and coach grades as well for the third quarter. Thanks for sticking with us. These are a little longer. We break down the numbers and all that, but uh, it's always fun, and I'm sure you guys enjoyed it as well. Stay tuned tomorrow, Monday. It'll be the day you listen to this. Uh, for the Rockets recap, check back into these feeds right away after the buzzer. And uh, while you're at it, you might as well subscribe so you don't even have to check, and it'll just come right to you. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to Locked on Suns, and you'll get Brandon back here next Monday. Thanks again for joining, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun.